In this episode, we discuss mental illness and here are some helpful resources if you need them. You can contact Lifeline on lifeline.org.au, youthbeyondblue.com, headspace.org.au or theblackdoginstitute.org.au. It's such an honour, Danny, um, to be a part of this amazing podcast you're doing here. And it's just really cool to be talking about this book. You know my work and you've given it a lot of thought and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest. <laughs> Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has actually read the books she's asking questions about <laughs> and asks really interesting, insightful questions about it. And I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat. Great chat. You're a good interviewer. So enjoy listening to the podcast. That's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and we need more word nerds like yourself, people that are passionate about books. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, we chat about the social and political influences of a writer's work. Today, I welcome Wei Chim. Freedom Swimmer, her debut novel for young adults, was shortlisted for the inaugural Readings Young Adult Book Prize and the Secura Medal and was a Children's Book Council of Australia Notable Book. Today we chat about the surprising power of a good dumpling. Co-hosting with me today is children's author Adrian Beck. Today, host with the most, Adrian Beck and I are chatting with Wei Chim about the surprising power of a good dumpling. Mm. Adrian, we loved this book, but are you here just for the dumplings? <laughs> Look, can I be here for both? Because <laughs> the book's amazing and I do love a good dumpling. Now, it's not that gonna... surprising that there's power in a good dumpling, I have no. to say. Look, we're going to save the dumpling talk till last because I'm afraid if we start with it, that's all we'll talk about. True. True. So we better talk about the book. Now, welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast for the first time, Wei Chim. Yay, thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. Finally, <gasps> officially. Finally. It's so I'm great. So I'm so happy that you're now part of the family. It makes me very happy. I do. It is a family, can I say? You guys are so amazing and lovely and just I'm gonna I'm just gonna start because it always starts this way. The whole community is always full of gushing love. And you guys really are such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate so yay, it, well, it, it really is and you well, know can we have way on every night <laughs> is that so. possible well <laughs> always looking for another host not not to replace you aging like oh a, no like not. an extra one <laughs> wait hit us with an elevator pitch for your amazing book Okay, sure. So The Surprising Power of a Good Dumpling is about 16-year-old Anna Chu, and she's dealing with a lot in life. She just wants to be a normal teenager, but she's got a lot on her plate because while she wants to, she's got a lot of pressure at school and she's thinking about HSC because she's in year 11, but she's also dealing with a lot at home because her mom is dealing with um, basically a debilitating mental illness. She spends long bouts early on in the book um, mom is bound in bed and isn't doing what she's um what a typical fulfilling the typical mom role so anna has to step into that so she's looking after her siblings her younger sister lily and her youngest brother um michael and she's taking on that kind of caregiver role and also in that she's also trying to live her normal teen life so it is about anna kind of finding herself and finding a little bit more about 
what it means to be normal and discovering that um, what she always considered, what she saw in the media and what she thinks is normal isn't necessarily going to be um, what's going to be right for her life. Mm. And there's delicious food, hence the <laughs> name, and I'm glad we talked about dumpling. But yeah, there's delicious <laughs> food. Um, talks a little bit about uh, growing up in a restaurant, which is something that um, Anna's dad runs a restaurant um, a little bit further away from where she lives. She, she spends a lot of time there. And also um, there is where she meets a young, lovely boy named Rory. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of romance. So there's a lot of the typical things that a teen would deal with, with the additions of the difficult things that a teen might not typically deal with, which yeah. is how to deal with someone who is supposed to be your caretaker, but you have to step into that role and what that means. And everything. Mm. So that wasn't a very good elevator pitch, but kind of summarized. Fantastic no, elevator it was great. pitch. Tall building. What a level. It's not light, but it is such a heavy book. And that, that's what I'm always conscious of is that, you know, you're talking about these really, really typical, really yeah. difficult themes like mental illness, but it is such a light and hopeful book. Well, I hope it is anyway. No, it is. Know. It's got a nice balance to it, definitely. Yeah. So, how, so it's hard with the elevator pitch, how to make it like <laughs> enticing, but also be like, look, seriously, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. John, we're going to cover it all. We're going to cover it yeah. all. Exactly. <laughs> Danny loves to put people on the spot, Wade. Don't worry about that. I wanted to ask you, actually, you just mentioned it then, the name, um, so you mentioned the name, The Surprising Power of a Good Dumpling. I think it's one of the best names of a book I've ever, ever, ever heard. I think you're right. So did it take you a long time to come up with it? Were you tossing up a few ideas or did you just say, right, I know what this is going to be called from the word go? Oh my God, I wish I could take any credit for it, but it is seriously nothing. It is an amazing title. It's perfect for the book and it's perfect for, and I had very little to do with it. Um, really? I first started, I went to my publisher with this idea for this manuscript and I called it War War. And mm. somehow my lovely publisher went, yeah, I love the story. I love the concept. We're going to have to do something about the title. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that straight off the bat. I'm like, okay, okay. So working title was always War War. I knew I had to change it. Yeah. Um, it was my publisher and my editor at the time at Alan Unwin who said that, you know, we, we read the manuscripts. We think there's a lot of strong food themes. We know it's, that's going to be really something. We think we want to do kind of a longer title rather than a short title. So something like... Um, like you see the, uh, what is it with Cheska Great? Oh my God, I'm so bad at titles off the top of my head. But they're like those beats of, you know, the yeah. surprising, the da, da 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 like you have that yeah. kind of the amazing something of Oscar Wilde, you know, those types yeah, yeah. of rhythms. So they wanted to kind of go with that. And we landed eventually, basically we landed on dumpling because there mm -hmm. were so many dumpling motifs and power because we thought that that would fit the book. So for a long time, I was playing the blank power of a blank dumpling. <laughs> really fun game to play. Um, like every time I met up with someone who had coffee or something, so I've got to come up with the title of the book. What do you think goes well with that? And we had like the incredible power of the secret dumpling, the saucy power. It got a little bit. <laughs> I love PG this. 13 very quickly. But I yeah. want to know about all the names that didn't make it. <laughs> Totally. But eventually, like, it was actually really sweet because the one I did land, end up on, I workshopped with my um, really good friend from college and she lives in New York. And it was really lovely that she could kind of contribute in that way. And it was just really, yeah. And I felt it really represented what 
the book was about because it is about you know a girl who's a little bit surprising and she mm. has uh, some amazing strength and resilience and it just sounds really good and tasty yeah so, and does. the cover like those I've been together. I've been telling Adrian all week I feel like dumplings because I've been talking about this book and all I just I just keep thinking about dumplings that's right <laughs> I'm on Uber Eats as we speak <laughs> There should be more dumplings. We all need more dumplings in our lives. We do. We're going to get your thoughts on perfect dumplings soon too because um, if you've written a book with dumpling in the title, you should expect uh, that sort of question coming up. But I also wanted to talk to you just briefly about uh, Zhu Ping, the special um, the half letter, sort of half number uh, sort of thing that's running through the book. Can you explain a little bit more about that for us? Yeah, so um, Jut Ping, which I picked as the romanization standard for Cantonese. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cantonese, it's called Yut Ping. Um, but basically, because I'm a diasporic um, Cantonese person, and I grew up speaking Cantonese, but I don't know how to read or write, I found when I wrote Dumpling, I really wanted to find a way to make it authentic to my experience with my language, which is yeah. I can phonetically understand it. I know the words, but I couldn't read or write it. So I needed to basically look for a romanization standard. And people know about pinyin and mandarin, but um, yutping isn't something that's really known about for Cantonese. But um, I researched basically and found two standards that would kind of was a way to phoneticize Cantonese. Um, and I picked Yuping because it came from Hong Kong and that's where my parents are from. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this will work. So the way it works is that there's um, some Roman letters and a number and the number is supposed to represent a tone. So in Cantonese, there's supposed to be six tones, but transparently no Cantonese person knows how to say all of the tones. <laughs> <laughs> like if you told me, what are the six tones? I'd be like, uh, that's a tone like mama, mama. Like I- I'm just making it up. I have no idea. Um, it's not, but we know when we say it if a if a word sounds wrong. So the number is more like kind of a way to indicate it. I'm sure like people who are really good at the language will actually be able to do it. But me as a bad non-reader writer and just mimicker, like it's it's not the numbers mean nothing. But if I were to read the Jukping as a as a Cantonese speaker, eventually I'd be able to work out, oh, that means, you know, like, take a dump. I think that's one of the, <laughs> like, I love this, like, bossy, like, that, that's, I don't know if you picked it up on this, but there's, like, this point where he's like, oh, you're a regular Aussie girl, but he says it, like, Aussie, which means take a dump, literally, which is great, because me as a Cantonese person thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And, and, and that's what I'm hoping to do. And that's why I created or worked that into the book is because I wanted other Cantonese speakers to kind of go, oh, my God, that's really funny and get in on the joke. So. That, is, that is hilarious. So, I love it. So you, if you say Aussie. Yeah. In a certain ca- way, yeah. Yes. Aussie means yeah. take a shit. <laughs> Can I say shit? I'm really sorry. Absolutely. It's a a conversation about language. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But it is. And that's the brilliant thing. By saying Aussie, that's that's exactly it. So those are the little subtleties that I really wanted to hit on because, you know, it's, it's those brilliant things that you only get if you're part of that community and i really wanted to speak to that community you know what i love way the the conversation usually doesn't go down that path until we're at least like 45 minutes in but (laughs) But i'm straight off the bat like here i am 15 minutes in way you are our people (laughs) that's it i'm I'm, I'm gunning for the host job adrian that's fine i I think you're a (laughs) shoo-in that's it that's it
But I think we have to mention the the mental illness because it is such a significant aspect of the book. It opens, you know, with the mother's mental illness. And for a long time, we don't know exactly what is going on with her. And obviously it's an important thing to talk about. And I often talk about this on the podcast, but why was it important for you to explore? So I started writing Dumpling with the idea that I really wanted to tackle this really important idea of the stigma of mental illness in Asian communities. Um, That was basically my go in there. I have some personal experience um, that from families. I think, you know, the statistic is that one in four families will be affected in by mental illness. And I definitely say that mine is one of those families. And I also recognize from a broader community standpoint that it was something that was not something often talked about. And it was really difficult because I think, um, yeah, by realizing that you just don't, you you don't have the dialogue, you don't have the language. And I think we were talking about just now, like how language is so important. So I wanted to write this book that would introduce some of the language to talk about things like mental illness in a very culturally appropriate and understanding way and kind of make those nods. So yeah, so that was, that was the reason why I wrote the book. And I think I approached it in that way of, I wanted it to be culturally sensitive, understand all of the burden and the heartache that comes with it, but also to recognize that there's no easy answer. It isn't like, hey, and you know, no spoilers here or anything, but hey, it's not like just because you understand it, everything's going to be perfect, but just to be able to process and um, understand what that, start to unpack what that feels like personally. And yeah, and I think, you know, I think it is such an important topic. I'm glad you talk about it on the podcast because it's lighthearted and as, you know, fun as we all are and everything. And we're such wonderful people who want to embrace that. And I think there is a lightness about dumpling. It is also something that is, needs to be kind of explored more and understood more and talked about more, even if it is something that's heavy, because otherwise we just kind of, the the instinct is just to cast it away and just be like, oh, let's lighten it up with a joke and everything like that. But that's not what is going to be the best thing for for a teenager, essentially, to go through, to just Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, how do I see myself and where do I see myself in this? So, yeah, so it is so, so important. And it is such packed with all of that emotional punch, but also understanding that that's okay, you know, and just accepting that that is a reality that um, we can all go through as a journey and feel not like everything's amazingly tied up at the end, but feel that we've gone through something cathartic to kind of, yeah, unpack it a little bit more. Mm. What I liked, way about how you explored mental illness, it's, it's often, and it's not a criticism of books, but sometimes it's, you know, you figure out what your mental illness is and then you sort of solve it I guess you know the best way you can but I think this book really highlighted the fact that it's something you actually continue to live with you know it lives beside you and it's not something you can just go okay I know what it is now I'm going to cure it it's something that you're always challenged by yeah definitely and I think for anyone who's kind of had a close contact with um, mental illness in either a friend or a family I think that is that realization because there's that first oh okay well now that I know what it is you take some drugs and you go to therapy and you do it and everything's fine but that's not what that journey is like and I think that's actually quite a bit of a shock for people to kind of realize oh what you see you can't just talk to your counselor and talk to a therapist that that's okay and even for someone who has mental illness or you know has to go through that experience of going what's it like to see a counselor? What's that like to see a therapist? And it can be a really exhaustive process. And I know so many people who have explained how 
frustrating it is to find the right type of therapy, to find the right type of treatment. And I think it's too easy in our storytelling literature-based minds to kind of go wrap it up in a neat little bowl. And yeah. it, in fact, um, my first draft of Dumpling, I, and I was just reminiscing about this recently, was that my first draft of Dumpling was completely different and the ending ended with an assembly. This is not a spoiler because there's no <laughs> assembly. You're, you're like, wait, what? But literally, my storytelling brain of trying to wrap everything up and tie everything up and have a clean, neat resolution ended my first draft with an mm. assembly because that felt like that was what I wanted to do as a writer. And then I took a step back and was like, this is not right. This is not the story. And I think we do have to separate ourselves a little bit in literature because you're absolutely right, Danny, that there's this tendency to want to just you know, once you get to this point that everything's fine and, and kind of realizing that that's not how real life works at all. And it's our responsibility, I think, as storytellers to kind of go, okay, yeah, you can tell a story and it's really great and it feels satisfying and you reach a resolution, but what more do you want to say? What's, what's important? Mm. You know, what are you contributing out there? So yeah, so it's, it's a more, di I think it makes it a little bit messier, but I feel like it's more honest and true and mm. something that I'm, grateful that I went down. I'm glad it does not end with an assembly. <laughs> <laughs> but was that a source of conflict? Because like you say, uh, as, a, as a writer, I mean, the first thing you learn about as a kid is, oh, they all lived happily ever after. You know, <laughs> you, you, you're striving for that happy ending. And, and you, as you say, you want to, you know, neatly tie it up with a bow. So were you conflicted about trying to portray, uh, you know, how things are in the real world versus, um, you know, every sort of natural storytelling instinct that has been drummed into us over the years? I think I was lucky because this wasn't the first book I wrote. I think it would have been harder. This was, I think this was the big, I always say this about Dumpling is that this is the most honest and most, this was the story that I always wanted to tell as a writer, but it took mm. me a long time to kind of, I wrote like, you know, younger junior fiction stuff and a couple other YAs before I finally was able to, I think, let go of that desire to kind of need to wrap everything up and tie it up in a neat little bow and feel like my craft was strong enough to go, no, but this feels more authentic, but also feels like, more correct for the story and letting mm. my characters tell that. I think it would have been much harder for me to do as a first book because I think, yeah, I wouldn't have had the ability to control the story, I think, as mm. much. So it, I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but I think um, I, as I've grown as a writer, I've let my characters in the story kind of dictate what happens more than I do as a, as a crafter feeling mm. like I have to apply the craft and do yeah. all the things that I want to do. I've learned that that's not always the best thing for the story, but it mm. takes time. I think it took, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been able to write this book earlier in my mm. career, which is mm. grateful because I started out not writing this book and everything. So yeah, so it's <laughs> kind of worked out well that way. It's worked out perfectly. Now in terms of the family in the book and they're trying to find this sort of find their place in the world, did you draw on much of your own experience to, to come up with this part of the story? A bit, yes and no. It's, it's funny because like people go, oh, your sibling dynamics are so great. That must be because, so uh, there's Anna who's the eldest and then Lily who's the middle child and Michael who's the baby. He's like five years old. So there's quite a big age gap between 16 year old Anna and five year old Michael. And everyone's like, wow, the sibling dynamics are really great. And I'm an only child. So I <laughs> really? I'm an only child. Oh my God. It's the only child. Amazing. That is amazing. We're a very rare breed. I, I know. Like. That's yeah. why I got excited. Yeah. You can tell Danny's an only child, but I'm not sure about you, Wayne. 
No. <laughs> For listeners, they couldn't see my facial expression then. It was very hurt. And Judgy. Yeah. Judgy. I can't. That's it. Yeah. It's over. Friendship <laughs> is over. Adrian. Adrian. My husband says that about me a lot of time. You're such an only child. And I'm like, I don't do that. That same. <laughs> that face. See, we've got the face sorted. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to just really quickly go on a tangent. One of my very, very, very good friends, right, who I met when we were working at, you know, a shop at uni, she was going on this very long monologue about how she hates only children. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I was just silent. And she was just going on for like 10 minutes. And I just let it go. And then she finished and I said, I'm an only child. And then I walked off and we still talk about it. We've been friends for 20 years. And she's like, I can't believe you didn't hate me, but I was really enjoying myself. <laughs> hilarious you know i feel like that's an only child thing like we like this isn't even to be talking up only children but i think there's this thing of like because you're so used to having all everything's in your own head and you don't have to like kind of explain or like work to be like hey what about me you you kind of internalize a lot of it and let people have their space and then go Mm. And by the way, you know, and you're always the favorite way with your you parents. <laughs> and the worst and the least favorite. You're always the best and biggest disappointment. Now, Adrian, you're, you've got a couple of brothers, right? I know. I can push all the disappointment onto them, hopefully. <laughs> What's your placement in the family? Uh, well, why don't you guys guess? Middle child. <laughs> he's he's the Jan Brady. Jan, he's Jan. I don't know. I think he's an older. I reckon he's the oldest. Way, you're you're definitely on the right wavelength there. I am the oldest of three, and uh, wow. that's why Sorry. all my leadership skills and uh, all that sort of come to the fore all the time. I thought, hey. of course, your amazing sort of um, how do yes. I say this nicely? Yeah. <laughs> Show-stopping ability. You were the middle child trying to get Wanting attention. <laughs> Is that what you say? No, I'm definitely the oldest. But this is fascinating to me because the family dynamic and, the, as you say, the siblings, their relationships, um, how did you come up with all that? What did you draw upon? Yeah, um, no, it is interesting. I think it's funny because I think there's that element of, you know, as a fiction writer, you kind of go, yeah, you draw upon your own life. And some of it is, I mentioned, is a lot drawn upon my own life. But I think hmm. it is also recognising how different people respond to different situations and wanting to, and even as your own individual, like Danny, you know, us as only children, our responses change and you recognize that and you go, Oh, that's really different. Me as at this stage in my life thought about it, about this situation. Cause they're all dealing with the same thing, which is, you know, your mom, you know, your mother who's supposed to be your mother figure isn't there for you in that mm. way. And not in a, you can't judge because, you know, mental, it's not because of any fault and everything. It just is. So how do you process that? And I think the siblings in that way kind of have different responses. And I think that's indicative of just humanity. And just as an individual, you might have different responses as you go through life and as you get older or as you kind of recognize different situations. So I think that was sort of that representation mm-hmm. a little bit. Also, the father's response is very um, typical of a you know certain dynamic. So I think you just kind of observe, like, because mental illness is such a big kind of, topic that people have very strong feelings about you kind of see how people respond and you can kind of structure them i think well into sort of a sibling dynamic or family dynamic and and it makes a lot of sense because none of those responses are right or wrong and that's the main thing i think is important about um dumpling is that there's no judgment or i try my best not to have judgment about 
there's some judgy characters there's some bad characters in there. but overall within the family the core family is that there's no judgment they're all trying the best they can you love them and you there are great things about them and there are other things where you're like oh and that's so family like you know like it's so much of oh feelings about it so i think that's where it comes from is that understanding that people will individuals will have different responses and just understanding that how do you draw that out and create that bigger picture because no single response is correct. They're just human reactions. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that's kind of where all of that came from, or I just have a lot of imaginary voices in my head. That's I was going to say that as an only child, you have lots of imaginary friends. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think as an only child, you kind of go, Oh, but what would like, if I had a sibling, what would they say? Just to kind of give yourself a bit of a check. Cause otherwise you're just going to be like off with the fairies all the time. You kind of have I think to I'm the ladder. <laughs> all with the fairies all the time. So, all with the fairies all the time. No way to draw yourself back in. No, but hang on. This is an interesting one. Did you two actually have imaginary friends when you were young? I didn't. You didn't? No, I'm sorry. Right. It sounds really boring. I don't think I had imaginary friends, but I had imaginary scenarios. Oh, like, yeah. I, totally. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I still have them. I'm such a daydreamer. Like, honestly, (laughs) my family, they, um, they really love when I do this. I say things internally. I think I've said them out loud. One day my mom was over and I just started packing up. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, aren't we going out for coffee? She's like, you didn't say that. I'm like, oh, I must've said it in my head. (laughs) She should know. Yeah. She should totally know. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So I think I do a bit of that too. I don't know. I I, I don't know what's real life. What's in my head. I, I don't know. I think my husband accuses me of that as well. It's like, you, we didn't, you didn't say that we were doing this. I'm like, I'm sure I didn't. Oh. like, no. And I was like, but I wrote it down in the calendar. Yeah, you didn't tell I me. I think I've like, found my soul sister. I don't want to give any spoilers away, Way, but I need to, without giving away spoilers, just ask you about the fish scene. Mm. Okay? I found this. Pretty bo- hard not to give spoilers away. Well, we're not going <laughs> to talk about what happens. Right. We're just going to talk about how she sort of came up with this climactic scene. That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> it's also the thing of how do you climactically do this without like scarring people to, you know, the, the, you, you are aware of like, okay, so like just didn't want to scar people too much. But also, also actually, now that I think about it, when I was doing research about like psychotic, like psychosis and like delusion or whatever, I think I did also come across something online that was like somebody kept, fish in a bathtub so mm-hmm. I think fish was just really prominent in my idea of what was happening with that mm. I don't know I don't know mm. you can go down some weird rabbit holes yeah, I just needed to bring it up because look I'm a little bit scarred by it but are I'm you a, I'm okay I'm fine pretty resilient <laughs> hey, I want to say a huge congratulations to you, Way. Um, New York Times Review, it's released in the US. This is huge. It is huge. I am so excited. And it's 2020, so I'm here going like, ah! And, and that's it. But yeah, it's... Really cool. Um, it's I'm obviously American, so and I grew up in New York, so being reviewed in the New York Times is not mm-hmm. something that I was expecting, but it's been cool. I'm very yeah. excited by it. It's amazing. Uh, so are you doing events and things like that? Are you talking to bookshops and doing virtual things, or what's the plan? I'm doing a couple of virtual things, but not yep. very many. 2020 being what it is, I think, mm. has made it a little bit challenging just in general in terms of events. Like, I'm going to be the first person who says I have heaps of Zoom fatigue. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, even yeah. just in, like, Australia, trying to keep up yeah. with everyone. Like, used to be really fun, and now I'm like, 
okay, mm. it's another Zoom. This is great. This is. I was about to say, we're, for listeners, we're not on Zoom. Um, no. We are <laughs> somewhere much more exciting. Yes. <laughs> but, but I think there is this kind of thing of like, okay, let me like watch another thing and stuff like that. So I think the importance of events, like the tangibility of it has been a little bit different. But I'm just really excited that it's out there. Like, you know, people have been really supportive. I've been able to like, you know, the like despite my books doing well in Australia because I've been like, you know, overseas, I'm like, hey, I got to like get in touch with like my high school alumni group and be like, hey, by the way, I released a book and it's coming out in November. And you know, those little stupid little things, but it really does matter. That's why high school reunion still matters so much. But <laughs> it's really nice that you get to say that and people go, oh, wow, okay, I'll actually go buy it. And you go, yay. Yeah. So yeah, so little, little things like that have made it really, really special because 2020 is what it is. And, you know, yeah. we take the wins where we can. Oh, do we? Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm very, very grateful. It's been wonderful to have the support of Scholastic Press, who are my publishers in the States, which, yeah, they are such a powerhouse and everything. So it's been, you know, despite all the stuff that's been happening and I haven't been able to go over there and promote it, it's still getting some, yeah, copyright and stuff. So, yeah, hopefully it does well. Fingers crossed. It's I'm, long. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. And speaking of virtual events, we should say that you are the person behind the scenes of a lot of virtual events. You are helping out a lot of authors spread the word about their books and you're just sort of, uh, you know, no, you don't, you don't get up in front of the camera like, you know, some of these people going around. I'm pointing to myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> But you are quietly um, helping a lot of authors in the background, and it like is much the appreciated. Adrian Beck with his wonderful release, <laughs> Aussie Legends. I know, <laughs> absolutely a ripper event that we hosted. Yeah. So it's it's great to see. So thank you on behalf of all the authors for all the work you do behind the scenes with your crack team. Oh, I'm so grateful. The team have been absolutely fantastic, and it was just a silly idea that I had because you know when things like 2020 happen and COVID happen, you kind of lose control and you kind of mm. go, okay, what can I, what can I do? What can I control? And, you know, I was like, well, I can do some tech. I can do a website and I can probably figure out a live stream. And everyone's, the, the Australian writing community is just so fantastic. Cause the mm. second I had this, you know, said, Hey, you know, let's try and do this every, like so many people put their hand up and went, Hey, I want to help. I want to mm. help. And then, you know, and it was just so great to see. And it is, wonderful in this time that you know zoom fatigue and everything aside that people feel that there is there are options and there's something that we can do that it's not just all you know just just we're frozen you know that people are being resilient and going to try something new and the community have absolutely been fantastic on that and i'm just really grateful and i'm grateful we could host you adrian in the call and yeah. <laughs> well thank you and thank you for hosting everyone that you've done which is great so absolutely. everyone's very appreciative so yeah, Oz Author is online. So yeah, um, we don't have a very, I, I want to spook an event, but we don't have very many. We're taking a small break at the moment because it is coming to the end of the year and everything like that. But you know, we, we, we think that there's definitely an opportunity and a place for digital events, mm. even in once this is all over. I think there's been so much wonderful response about the accessibility. Lots mm. of people outside of capital cities going, hey, I can finally participate in an yeah. author event. And that's yeah. been really great. Like this, 
you take the wins that we can yeah. in this mm. time. And I think that's definitely one of them is that yeah. everyone's come together in this time. So, yeah. And it will be nice to see people again properly, but it's also <laughs> nice to always have this option because you can't go out every night of the week, you know, yeah. so it'd be good to go. I'm going to go to this thing in person, but I'm going to do this thing by zoom. So you've got yeah. the greater freedom to kind of then, you know, drop in, drop out of things. So yeah. But I also totally agree about the, you know, people in regional areas that mm. feel like they can, I mean, even Danny who interviewed Matthew Riley recently from over in LA, uh, you know, these sort of things we wouldn't have even thought to do a year ago, you know, so there's great opportunities um, that have come out and small silver linings that have come out of a, a pretty ordinary year. Yeah, ordinary. <laughs> That's a euphemism. Um, Adrian, I know this interview has been so much fun, but do you want to have some fun? We've got a couple of fun things. Let's yeah, fun things. I like fun. This has been fun. I love fun. <laughs> Fun. Fun is on the menu and I'm going to bring you some fun. Now, I love the bits um, where Rory calls Anna, you know, by the nicknames, <laughs> Anna Apple and Anna Strawberry and all that sort of stuff. Anna Cookie. I like that one. You like Anna <laughs> Cookie? You just like cookies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Way, um, I want you to think of a nickname, if you could, if, if Danny was in the book, what do you think you, you would call Danny? <laughs> I think that's what we were supposed to do. <laughs> Well, I'm, so with the alliteration, I first go Danny Dumpling. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's the top of the pile. That's yes. awesome. All right, mic dropped. Okay, now Adrian, way. What would you give for Adrian? Oh, I got to Google some weird things. Oh, well, I'm, I'm still trying to go with the alliteration thing. Yes. Oh, like, right. Yeah, but A is hard. Um, and we've already said Apple, so like. Apple's a bit boring, I think, yeah. for you. Adrian. Avo. Almond? Adrian Almond? I don't know. That's not, that's not, compared to Dumpling, that's a bit awful, isn't it? Yeah. I'm so sorry. That was... Dean, I get the best one. <laughs> so sorry, Adrian. I'm coming up with these A words and they're not even... Avocado. No, yeah. that's too normal for you. Apple no, too boring. I will take almond because um, almond milk is going through the roof at the moment. It is. And it's very popular. Adrian Almond. So thank you, Way. I appreciate that you've put so much thought into it. Dumpling, Yes. Can't be beaten. Um, I'm going to have a go. I've got to go Adrian Pineapple. Ooh. There's no alliteration there. That's just, I, that's I didn't just say a comment. Was, that's a comment on my hairstyle. But Anna Strawberry and Anna Cookie has no alliteration. So I was just thinking of a fruit that would suit you. And oh. I think, you know, they're a bit weird. Right. But, but they're fun. Oh, no, it suits me down to the ground, does it? <laughs> so pineapple, I'm going Adrian Pineapple. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I like pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about, about way? What yeah, about what about way? way? Yeah. Oh, you, um, I've taken dumpling. It can't be beaten, but um, um, something what about, lovely. What about those beautiful little desserts? You know, like a whey pancake. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> whey pancake sounds actually like a character, like a character from a cartoon or something. <laughs> it does. Oh, my God. You could totally draw that, a whey pancake. Yeah. What about whey waffle? Ooh! Ah, oh, and it has the alliteration as and I, I like that. Waffle. I think you that nailed it. Best yeah, All right, done. All right. Ours are, ours are much better than yours, though, Adrian. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, well, Adrian. That, that, on it. No, no, I appreciate. I know, I know where you're coming from, Wayne. I appreciate that. Now, um, I've been dying to ask you this the whole interview, and I've just had to sort of pull myself back, pull myself back. Don't ask it. Don't ask it. Okay, I'm going to ask you this tough question that I'm sure you've never been asked before in any of your promotions for the dumpling. Um, what is the secret to an ultimate dumpling? <laughs> Please tell us. Secret to the ultimate dumpling? It is just love. Love and appreciation for good food. 
That's it. The secret is that it gets shared with other people who are amazing and great at their jobs. And they bring that love and attention and professionalism and years of skill and practice. And that's mm. what... It's a beautiful answer. It is a beautiful answer. <laughs> what is your favorite dumpling? Oh, okay. So, you know those prawn dumplings you get mm, at the... Do I ever? Yeah, those, <laughs> oh, are yes. those are the ones. Those are the ones. Hang on, I'm just getting back on Uber Eats. I really like the soup dumplings, but you got to time it that you don't put it in your mouth when it's too hot because otherwise your head explodes. Oh, did you oh. read the little part in dumpling where she eats it? And yeah, you have yeah. to kind of suck out the soup. That yeah, yeah, but I just put it all in my mouth because yeah. I like it to explode in my mouth. But yeah. I've, I've sometimes done it when it's too hot and I've like third degree burned my mouth. Yeah. So you've got to yeah. just... You got to be patient. Oh yeah. Give it a minute and then let it explode. It's the but best that thing ha- ever. That happens all the time with me because I can't wait, and so I just shove it in and I bite, and then literally I get all the juice all over the inside of my whole mouth. It's your it's just... fault. You have to wait. Yeah. You've you got to, to look at your dumpling for about a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. For you got to appreciate the dumpling, and then you got to. So you, your go-to is prawn. What about you, Danny? Oh, I don't know. What's in a soup dumpling? I think it's a mixture of pork and prawn, I think. I just like the soupiness. Yeah, okay. What about I'm a you? Pork, I'm a pork man. Well, well, Adrian's pizza. ordered Uber Eats, so. Mm. Yep. Hang on, I'm just tracking. Yep. We'll be there, surely. Be, uh, we'll go just, to Adrian's. You, That's it. It's going to take get me. over here in 25 minutes, we'll be fine. I don't think I can make that trip in 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why do you write? Why do I write? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I write because I, I think it's really, I think... Gosh, this is such an easy answer and seven, like such an easy question. And suddenly because I've enjoyed this entire chat so much, I'm like, wow, how do I, well, how do I do this? Hard question. Is, she always asks it. She asks it at the end of every interview. And the way she asks it, it's really sneaky because she just yeah. goes, blah, 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 wrapping things up. And she goes, oh, by the way, why do you write? And then everyone's like, hang on. That's pretty much the toughest question of the whole interview. <laughs> The real sneaky one. I it is quite a like sneaky it. one, but it's an important one. And it is good because it's so, because you've caught me off guard. Because, you know, the, yeah, that's what I we do. always get, that's good, <laughs> but that's good because we always get this question and you always have the canned answer of like, blah, blah, blah. I write to tell stories and I write to, you know, um, I write to spread joy. I don't know, all those things, but I write because I think it's the way I process and understand the world around us and the mm. world around us right now. And I think 2020 is the perfect you know, example of that can be really hard to understand. We think we have all the answers. We think we know everything as writers. We think we're generally pretty smart, literary, educated people. And then you have stuff like 2020 and everything that came with it hit us and you go I have no answers I look at everything that's happening you go okay what's going on I I could crawl up into a little ball and cry and like sob to death and you know just hope that everything goes away or I pull up my big girl pants and try <laughs> and figure out what's going on and can you do both though way yeah, there's a little bit of both. Oh, you good. feel the crying. Thank and God. On your big girl pants. <laughs> <laughs> and you saw, and you you work it out. And I think that's that's for me. That's what writing is. It's to try and work that out. And even if you don't have all the answers, the process of working it out hopefully leads to something that is more fulfilling and understanding as a human being. Because otherwise, it's all just messy and confusing, and it's gone in a blink, and you don't know what's happening. So mm. yeah. That's, that's why I write. Oh, God, that was beautiful. 
It was. I really liked that answer. Thank you for that question. That was a good way to ask it. You're very good at your job. Thank you. <laughs> well, what a joy. It's been an absolute joy. I still feel like a dumpling. and It's going to be my weekend um, goal to actually go and have a dumpling. Are you really ordering one on Uber Eats? <laughs> I am absolutely ordering one on Uber Eats. <laughs> if you send me a picture, one, I'm ordering eating, about twelve. If you send me a picture <laughs> of you eating dumplings, I'm just I'm going to block you. I'm going to block you oh. on every social media platform. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> <laughs> can we do a challenge by Sunday? We all have to have a picture of us eating a dumpling. Can we do? Well, that? I'll have one within half an hour. <laughs> Twenty-five minutes. I'm, yeah. I'm on. I'm on the app right now. Oh my god! I've never wished I'd lived in Melbourne so much in my life. Oh, I suppose I could just order one, right? You can yeah. order. They're, they're What's stopping me? What's stopping me from ordering? I don't one? know. What is stopping <laughs> you? <laughs> we'll let Adrian do that. Wait, it's been such a joy and a pleasure. You are now my soul sister because every only child needs one. You do. <laughs> and thank you so much. It's been such a joy. Loved your book. Loved this conversation and still feel like a dumpling. It's going to be our challenge by Sunday. Photo of us eating a dumpling. Adrian's will be up in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to get a better one. That's all. We'll just yeah. have to trump him. This is going to be the ongoing challenge. Every week we're going to be like sending more extreme dumplings and it's oh going to get out of control. I'm going to try and make one and it's going to be a disaster, but I'm going to oh. give it a crack anyway because I, I like to make disasters in the kitchen. That's great. There we my, go. My Pan-fried pork dumplings. Oh. Add one to cart. Are you, are you really doing this? Yep. Um, God, I love your work. Chicken and prawn. Commitment. Can you get a soup dumpling? Just I know I can't eat it, but soup. in my honour. Soup. Oh, oh there we go. Um, oh. uh, don't ton. eat it. Don't one eat it straight ton. away though. Ooh. Yes, one. that's right. Wait for the watch it for a minute. Minute and a half. Yeah, minute and a half. <laughs> I can't wait that long, but that's okay because <laughs> given it's being you delivered, it'll be perfect. Dumpling. It will. You yeah. will be perfect. You're right. But by the time you take a photo of it, that'll be in a minute and a half. <laughs> Leave at door. I've never hated you and admired you at the same time <laughs> much in my life. I love the commitment. I feel oh, very honoured. It's all for you, Wei. It is all for you. Every time I eat one of those in the He's next lying. 25 you minutes, all for him. I'll be thinking about you and the New York Times. Wait, oh, he'll just be thinking, you know what he'll be thinking about? A burnt mouth. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> but I will persist. <laughs> love the dedication. That's it. Oh, you guys are both riots and joys and <laughs> legends. I really, I'm so, you guys are amazing. This is great. And such a part of the community and culture. 